Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, Episode 3, March 15, 2007. Resonant Frequency of the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and thank you all for downloading us this week. We have a few items to throw up out front, and we have some guests that will be joining us in the shack in a few minutes. Uh, First of all, checking Podcast Alley this evening. If you type in Amateur Radio over at Podcast Alley, we come up number five in the list. That is number five, and we are steadily climbing. Over at iTunes, if you do the same, we come up number seven in the list. And it's because of you folks out there downloading us that we're we're gradually climbing on up those lists. And I really appreciate y'all joining us each and every week. Secondly, Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, is looking for a logo. So all you folks out there that are handy with a piece of... Uh, graphic software, manipulating pictures a little bit, y'all go ahead and try your hand at it. Uh, The best one will be attached to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, and will show up on whatever website that uh, they carry the pictures, which are the logos, which go along with the podcast. I'm kind of looking to get that Creative Commons uh, GIF off of our our spot on iTunes. I'm getting tired of looking at it. So here's how you do it. Go ahead and design a logo, uh, put it together in your graphics program, and ship it to us in the email. I will announce the winner in about two weeks. So y'all get on it, get them on in here, and we'll, we'll sure enough take a look at them. Okay, for today's guests, we have uh, a couple of local hams here, which are, uh, one is the former owner of our local ATV repeater, amateur television repeater, and the other is the current owner of our amateur radio repeater. But we'll get, uh, we'll get on to that more in the next segment. Okay, this week we have an interview with uh, Andy WY5V and Billy KC5NQ, and uh, we'll let that roll in just a minute. I wanted to go ahead and apologize to y'all. We had a little problem with the phone system while we were recording the interview, so uh, the majority of their audio, or all of their audio, is nice and clear, even though there are a few clicks and pops. Uh, my audio is a little bit distorted, but I spent some time working with it this afternoon to try and at least make it intelligible. Uh, luckily, these two guys they like to talk, so uh, it shouldn't be shouldn't be too horrible. And uh, 
we might even learn something along the way. So let me go ahead and roll that for you. This is myself, Billy, and uh, Andy talking about ATV. Okay, and this week we're talking with Billy, KC5NQ, and Andy, WY5V. Billy and Andy have uh, come by to talk with us a little bit about after television. Evening, guys. Well, let's start off with the the question on everybody's mind. What is ATV? Probably one of the funnest modes you'll ever get on, and it's about the only mode on ham radio that I know that you have to make sure you're wearing the shirt and have your hair combed. Okay. <laughs> also, uh, also, too, Richard, it's, it's a, it is a part of ham radio that has become a stepchild in some degrees. What has happened is that a lot of people can talk to people through a microphone and not have to face them. But now with amateur television, you're actually, you have a camera, you're transmitting your video picture, you're talking to people, but it's also in interactive, you're interactive with other audience. In other words, it's not like regular television where you have people bringing subjects and talking about subjects in the studio. You're actually, you have a studio and then you have other people out there who are watching you that are talking back to you through some type of link. So it's interactive in a lot of ways, and you can see that it's a little more challenging to try to accomplish amateur television. It's not a it's not a mode for the lighthearted. It is a mode that is fun. Once you get away from being camera shy and everything, it it becomes a very natural thing, just like if you pick up a microphone and talking on two meters. But the first time you get people on there and they see their image and they can talk and then people talk back to them, it's just like if you're carrying on a regular conversation with two or three people or more. And it is it is an image that people can't get over yet. But the mode of amateur television has future. It's been analog for quite a long time, but there are transmitters and receivers out there now that are going digital, high dense. Uh, there's a few of those coming out of Germany now. The cost is kind of high, but I think in time they'll bring themselves down into a more reasonable mode that the pricing will be more affordable for most hams. When we talk about the amateur television, there's fast scan and slow scan. Is that correct? That is correct. And what we're discussing right now would be fast scan television, actual moving pictures on the television. Well, what kind of setup would... Uh, we be talking about for somebody to get on the air with something like this? Well, there's many setups. PC Electronics sells quite a bit of equipment. They have it for uh, 70 centimeters. They have it for uh, 33 centimeters and 23 centimeters, basically 440 uh, megahertz, 900 megahertz, and 1.2 gigs. It could be The mode could be AM or it could be FM. AM is a little more easier and much more inexpensive to get into. Uh, there are a lot of simplex frequencies, two or three simplex frequencies, which are known in most of the Metroplex areas through the country for this. And then you have a few at 900, and you have a couple there at 1.2. Uh, 
the basic cost I would think for a ham to look at something like this, most of them's got the antennas already, probably less than probably about two hundred and fifty dollars and then they're on the air. The only thing is you have to have somebody on the other end that can receive your picture. Yeah, and that's always an important part. Well, I just had a brain lapse, guys. <laughs> okay, let me let me carry on here with you. Yeah, go ahead. Seventy centimeters it's probably the easiest of all the ham bands to bring amateur television into. There's basically two or three channels which are known in the lower end of 70 centimeters. This, the first channel is the video is at 421.250, and then you have another channel, and this has always been in the ham community a kind of wishy-washy way, but the second channel is at 426.250, and some have it at 427.250. There's also 433.250, and then the fourth channel, which is pretty close to the high end of the band, is 439.250. Now, these are the video center frequency carriers for these particular channels. The easiest one to do is the first one, which would be what we consider channel one. That's 421-250. You will find out that in the ham community, most of your repeaters, ATV repeaters, will use that frequency there because it's on the very bottom of the 70-centimeter band for the hams. But also, too, it has a very unique way that it's also cable channel 57, yeah, like regular analog television. In other words, you take a television, you put it on cable channel 57, hook it up to a beam or to an external antenna, you have an ATV receiver built into your TV by doing that. Some people will put a preamp in front of that to give a little more gain into it, but channel 57 is that first one, which will be the 421-250. Now, channel 58 cable channel in your TV is actually channel 426.250, megahertz. So you basically have two channels in your television already, uh, if it's a cable-ready television, that's already ready to go to receive ATV. The only thing you got to do is put an antenna on it, which is you don't know if they're vertical or horizontal. And once you do that, then you can receive most of the repeaters, or just uh, simplex, uh, whoever's transmitting, can, uh, you can receive them and vice versa. Well, yeah, that's something, too. Um, output power on some of these transmitters, uh, is, are repeaters actually necessary for this mode, or uh, is that something that's just something extra that helps out? A repeater helps out quite a bit. It's, most repeaters will be high will have a high stance regarding to being up at 500 feet to uh, 1,000 feet, maybe on some broadcast tower or something like that, and gives you a large footprint to uh, receive from. In other words, you, you can have a lot of people watching you at one time. But it's not necessary to do this. You can actually do this simplex one-on-one. -on -one. And But the thing is that you, you will have to have some height involved to be effective and be very professional in what your signal is going to be. Most people who run Simplex, they will run 160 watt to 
maybe up to 500 watts output, and that's because they're they're not going through a repeater where most of your repeaters are high up and they're running about a 100 watt PEP output uh, because of the average they're covering plus they have the gain of the antenna. So they both have uh, opportunities that you can go through a repeater, and then you can also go with simplex. In other words, uh, one transmits for a while and talks a little bit, turns its transmitter off, and the other one transmits up on the same frequency and, and vice versa. The thing is with the repeater is that your output is at 421.250, but you can have many inputs. You can have an input in 900 megahertz, and also you can have a, an input at 1.2 gig. There are some repeaters in the country now that are running a 2.4 input. That's 2.4 gigahertz. A lot of the repeaters have a source to where they're replaying the NASA during space launches. Uh, some get a feed from a local radar site, which could be a television station, or from a commercial radar site that supplies radar information to television, site, uh, television stations. And they will play the radar during different emergencies and stuff at the same time. A lot of these also have what we call a slave controller. And a, basically a slave controller, Richard, is a, a type of controller that you have channels one, two, three, four, five, and as you go up in the scale of the controller, uh, the controller itself will slave to the channel below it. In other words, channel one could be, at, say, uh, your NASA input, but let's say you have a weather situation that come up in your local area through a repeater, they can turn that receiver on and it will override channel one, and then channel three will over one will override. One, uh, two, and one, and vice versa. As you go up the scale, each one will override the previous one. Well, that is very interesting. And uh, you know, you were talking a moment ago about how, how the uh, ATV folks chat back and forth. You one will turn on the transmitter and talk, do his thing for a few minutes, and then shut it off, and the other guy will turn it on. Andy has a really interesting story about uh, that particular aspect of ATV. Uh, Andy, you want to retell your story about the uh, the light bulb gig? <laughs> yeah, the matter transporter. That's um, it. <laughs> yeah. It, a number of years ago, we had a an amateur television repeater on the KTVT Channel 11 tower at Cedar Hill. And it was a very high, very nice location, and uh, had very good coverage. Well, um, one of the problems you have once you get all the technical hurdles worked out uh, is what to do with ATV. And a lot of times we'd sit there and talk back and forth, and we had quite a group in there. Well, one evening I was sitting there in my shack, and the light bulb that I had that was using for my, it was actually coming from the ceiling fan, the light bulb was above me burned out. And I looked up at it and said, well, that's kind of unusual. Light bulbs don't use to burn out just by themselves. They use to burn out when you turn them on. So I reached up and unscrewed it, and I held it up to the camera, you know, I was on the air at the time. I held up the camera and I said, "Does anybody got an extra one of these?" Kind of jokingly, like that. And so I turned off my transmitter, and Wayne Golubinsky, NVIDIA, came up and he was holding a spare light bulb. I said, "Well, you, you know, can you can you give me that?" And what he did is he took the bulb and he very slowly pushed it up to the camera so that the only thing you could see was the bulb, and then he switched his transmitter off. Well, I took the hint and had the, already had the, a bulb up against my camera and then turned my transmitter on 
and then pulled the bulb away. So if you were sitting there watching the repeater at that instant, it gave the impression that we had just passed a light bulb through the system. And so that started uh, started sort of an, an ongoing running joke over the years that we had, you know, we're always tweaking the uh, software for the matter transmitter in the television repeater. And so you'd hold it up, you'd put up a pencil and somebody would pull a hammer away or stick up a calculator and then somebody would pull a donut out, you know. So the, the software was never quite right. And it was a great source of amusement. As a matter of fact, as Billy mentioned earlier, there's uh, the output of the repeater that we had out there was on 421.25 ATV Channel 1. It was out there on Cedar Hill where all the rest of the TV stations are at. And we had a number of people just accidentally playing around with their TV sets come across the repeater and saw this crazy bunch of people talking back and forth on television and cutting up and carrying on and playing their home videotapes and things like that. There were several videotapes that were very, very popular. So once you get the technical aspects all done with, the problem you have is figuring out, all right, now what do we want to do with it? And it takes a bit of imagination, but like I say, people go on vacation and they, they, they shoot video and come back and they put it up on the air. Some people have had cameras up on their towers that they could transmit pictures, weather or something like that. There were some people that went mobile and would go out to various locations, not unlike a normal television station would do. A lot of the things that they do with a regular TV station, you can do with a ham TV station. and just takes a little imagination, but you play around with it, you have fun with it. That's That's kind of what it's all about. Well, that's it. Ham radio, we always want to have fun with it. And, yeah, I remember uh, Billy used to bring home tapes from his vacations and run them. Some of those were really, really interesting. Come I, love the, I love the fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Billy would have uh, NASA Select on there and ran the weather radar for a while. It was really useful, that, that particular repeater. Mobility of an ATV station is what I was thinking about when you were talking a while ago. I remember one guy used to tell about he he was able to pick up the ATV repeater here in Dallas up at the Oklahoma border, which is about 100 miles away. Either of you guys uh, got any words on how mobile one of these stations is? Well, uh, I've done some mobile myself, both in aircraft and on the ground. One of the things that you have to remember is you know, with a regular television station, they have to run tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of watts of power sometimes because they have to service the uh, the guy that's 50 miles away with a pair of rabbit ears. And, you know, of course, we can't run that much power. And so antennas become very important, especially directive antennas for amateur television. We get used to running vertical omnidirectional antennas on, on two meters and things like that. This is one of those modes where you really have to put as much of your signal in the direction that you want it to go. Beam antennas are just about a given for a portable installation. Uh, it would take quite a bit more infrastructure than we could probably afford to set up in order to provide uh, a system where uh, you could just drive around with a couple of whips on, your, on the top of your car. I mean, that could be done technically, but it would take a bit more resources than we have. But it's like a lot of things. This is one of those modes where you're going to go out and you're going to set up and put your camera on a tripod and 
things like that. Uh, I know of a couple of people that have done it while mobile, but that that can have a whole different per set of perils of its own. Yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of hard to, to drag all that stuff with you. I remember uh, a few years back there were a couple guys, but they were having to drag around these cameras that weighed as much as a small a small car and everything. Uh, of course, we did an airplane flight that uh, ended up with some tape run on it and everything. And in between the airplane hardware and the ATV hardware, it, it was really tough. Well... Let me uh, let me move into into this end of it, uh, Billy. Can uh, has there been any kind of uh, emergency communications applications brought up as far as ATV is concerned? I, even though I'm big into the emergency communications, I really don't keep up with that end of it. There has been times in the past where there was several times we were working with Dallas County here on some uh, applications of maybe trying to use it in a d disaster drill. We did one disaster drill here in the Mesquite area at the airport and used the repeater that was in at the time was in downtown Dallas in one of the taller buildings. And we used it on a disaster drill of a plane crash and that was pretty successful. They looked at that quite a bit. I think that was the reason why a lot of the uh, different emergency management groups for the different cities were uh, were pretty impressed that they could get live video on time, not delayed, of uh, the uh, scene of the activity that was going on. That has, I'm not saying it has cooled down. I think that today the technology has surprised and has suppressed what we do in the amateur television world because it's still amateur television, but it's more in the commercial field. But I think in the future it still has a very viable link to trying to help with emergency management regarding to different situations. One of the things that was uh, discussed is that when they were evacuating uh, the uh, uh, people from uh, Louisiana into the Dallas-Fort Worth area that from, from the hurricane, the uh, emergency management people of Mesquite, Texas, wanted to be able to see the facility as these buses were coming in, and they didn't have, they were getting you know, pictures that were 30, 40 minutes behind, and it was mentioned to them to where if we had the system running up at the time, we could give them a live still picture uh, for the period from the time they started to the time they end, 20, and 24, basically 24-7 feed all the way through till they got through with what they were doing. And those kind of applications like that where you've got a vacational spot where you having, you're bringing people in from a disaster off the coast uh, has a lot of applications. But as you know, uh, a lot of the cities are very slow in acting, trying to bring this this media into their system, they they want to have more control over it, and uh, sometimes they they will shy away. But if you have a very active group that is in the emergency management, and they once they see this can happen, uh, uh, a lot of the cities are very open arm uh, with it, and it just takes just a few different things to uh, bring the city folks into play 
that they uh, they can use this at no cost to them because it's a low budget uh, thing for them to use. It's 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 not a very expensive uh, piece of equipment and. Uh, the part that got to them that uh, once it was explained to them that they had the receiver on on site at their EOC, and I say if you have a regular television that's uh, cable ready, you can see amateur television. And they some of those people were kind of shocked; they didn't understand it. And once it was explained to them, like I was say, if they were cable ready, channel 57, there you are. It'd be going through the repeater. Or I said, or you can have it on your own private little frequency, but still be in the ham community that uh, anybody in the ham community that has a receiver can receive it there. Okay, yeah. Uh, I've uh, often suggested myself that slow scan television, which I guess we'll take up in another, on a different date, slow scan television would be uh, pretty useful nowadays with people having laptops and uh, webcams they can plug into them and that kind of stuff. You mentioned uh, mentioned expense a while ago, that, uh, that brings to mind a question for me, you know, with the advent of these inexpensive CCD cameras and webcams and laptops and stuff like that, is it possible that this stuff comes in, becoming available at a fairly reasonable price is going to be able to spur more use in fast-scan amateur television? I think so. I really do, Richard. I, I, it's it, it it can. You just have to have somebody with the wish that they what they want to do and understand that what you put on the air that it's open to the general public. It's not a private channel. Anybody who knows that you're on this channel can watch you. So it's kind of a thing you have to be very controlled of the matters in which you are retransmitting over that. But the cost is way down and. I think in the future here in our uh, area, which is Dallas, we will be doing some other things. It will be making uh, it will it will make a it will make a difference there. So it will it will work, and 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 I think in time it will uh, be a, a very good uh, thing for everybody in the amateur television world. How you can publicly you can publicly embarrass yourself with things you might already have laying around the house. <laughs> Well, that's the great thing about the hobby. Well, okay, uh, we're getting close to the the end of uh, this segment, Billy. I got uh, I got one of Andy's good stories about amateur television. I know you got three or four. Does any of them come to mind just to, right off the top of your head? Well, for myself, one day I uh, had just gotten back from the one of my uh, scuba diving trips, and as we had mentioned earlier, that sometimes I would uh, replay some of my video from the dive trips. And uh, in the one of the dive trips, we had uh, gone in there on a reef, and uh, I was uh, uh, taping uh, different creatures and fish in the reef area, and uh, we're swimming along there, I mean, diving along, and we're just, you know, just having a good time. And all of a sudden, I saw something that wasn't correct for the reef, and somebody had lost their bikini, and this bikini was stuck in the reef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Uh, guys, I, I really appreciate y'all uh, being with us this week. Uh, is there anything y'all would like to like to go ahead and throw out there before we wrap up? Well, maybe next time we'll talk about some bloopers. 
Uh, amateur I think, television I think, bloopers. I think bloopers would be a very good. We could probably spend a lot of time on bloopers, Andy. Well, I thought that amateur radio or amateur television was 99% bloopers. Uh, <laughs> it could be viewed that way, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Billy, Andy, like I said, thank you for joining us this week. And uh, uh, I have learned a great deal just uh, sitting here going through this particular segment with y'all. And uh hope y'all can join us again. been my pleasure. Been very entertaining, Richard. Thank you again for letting us be here with you. Alrighty, well, thanks, guys, and let me. Uh, we'll move on to the next segment. Once again, I'd like to thank Andy and Billy for coming on the podcast this week. Uh, amateur television, it's uh, one of those things that we all hear about and we really don't uh, get a lot of exposure to. I guess that makes us fairly lucky here in uh, this part of the world. Okay, let me repeat uh, earlier from earlier. Uh, the Logos Design Contest, or uh, yeah, I guess we'll call it a contest, is underway. And we're looking for a logo for Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. So uh, all you folks out there that are uh, pretty good with a uh, copy of GIMP or one of the other hundreds of image manipulation programs out there, y'all uh, fire that bad boy up and uh, work one up and send it this direction. You can submit those to KB5JBV, Juliet Bravo Victor, at gmail.com. That's KB5JBV at gmail.com. And as I said earlier, the uh, we're going to have the panel look at it here and uh, pass it around, pass them around to our friends and let them look at them a little bit and. When we make a decision, we'll go ahead and add that one to the uh, podcast page and get it where it shows up on iTunes so everybody knows who we are and everything else. And we'll get, when we put it up on the website, we'll go ahead and make sure that there's full credit given because it's definitely something that I'm not very good at is the image stuff. So once again... Uh, send that to kb5jbv at gmail.com. A couple other things before we close. Once again, we're we're on several of the podcast sites now. Most recently, uh, Podcast Alley and iTunes. So y'all run on over there and, and download. The more y'all download at iTunes and the more y'all download off Podcast Alley, the higher we go in the rankings. Uh like to see some of you guys show up and leave a few comments over there at iTunes also. That way other folks will know whether we're doing a good job or a bad job. And I myself will know if we're doing a good job or a bad job. And we might be able to change something that, might not be working out for, for some of y'all out there. 
to leave feedback, it's the same address as the logo contest. Uh, that's kb5jbv at gmail.com. And I do check that regularly, so uh, I'm not. Nobody's going to get left out. You can also go over to the web page or blog page and check out what's going on there. We have a couple things going on over there. A couple of links to uh, different information and. Uh, post now and again that doesn't have the podcast attached to it and I believe I've even got it set up where you can subscribe to it by email but I'm not sure uh, I will get back to y'all on that uh, I'll make note of it right now and when we post show notes for the podcasts they'll also show up over there uh, the good thing is the way we've got it running, the way we have the feed running at the present time, the show notes end up in the information field over there at iTunes also. So when you click on the little little eye with the circle around it on uh, the whatever episode, it'll sh it shows you that information. But for the active links, I believe you have to go over to the web page. That page is kb5jbv.blogspot, all one word, blogspot.com. And while you're over there, leave a few comments. Uh, you can leave a comment uh, every post over there. Um, I do not have it moderated, and as long as it doesn't get abused, then... I won't be moderating it and having to clear the clear the uh, comments before uh, they can go on the on the page. And if we turn the sheet over here, oh yeah, coming up probably in a, a few weeks. I spent this past weekend over with Jeremy and the bunch at Amateur Radio Q and A once again, and. We had a really good uh, question and answer session because we had a lot of folks show up, call in, and I'm going in the process of editing that down to at least give y'all some some pieces of it. I'm currently talking to a gentleman that uh, is going to come talk with us about how repeaters are built and how one would go about getting on the air with a repeater. Got another one out there that. Uh, if we can hook up this week, we're going to sit down and talk about DXing, which for those of you who are not familiar with that, that's talking to uh, distant stations. Anything outside of the continental U.S. is normally is considered by the ARRL, the Amateur Radio Relay League, as a DX station. So if you work Mexico or Canada or even Hawaii or Guam, which... Hawaii is a state and Guam's U.S. possession. Uh, that's still considered DX, but that's beyond the scope of what we've got time for here. Um, I think I've pretty much covered everything for this week. If y'all have any suggestions, comments, um, there's a particular person you want us to contact and see if we can get them on get them on the podcast so that uh, they can get the word out about their particular interest in the hobby 
or you just want to say hello, uh, drop me a line. Uh, send it to the email address. Uh, for those of you who have the capabilities of making audio files, if you make, uh, if you send me an audio female, uh, email, <laughs> if you send me an audio email, we'll get it on the podcast if you so desire, so that some of the other folks can ask, see what kind of questions y'all are asking. Uh, if you'll send the emails in, we may start start a segment where we read a few emails on there. There's a couple of podcasts I listen to that are not amateur related and they do it all the time. Uh, in fact, there's one boy that I listen to that his entire podcast every week consists of emails that he's received concerning the particular topic that the podcast is about. But once again, and I know y'all are going to get tired of hearing it, the email address is kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. One more subject before we uh, wrap her up. And no, I'm not just trying to burn time. I'm, these things keep coming to mind as, <laughs> as uh, I'm talking. Uh, we are in the process of looking into setting up uh, a way for donations to be made to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. I would also like to hear y'all's comments on that. Um, it does cost a few dollars to do this, and for me it's a hobby. Uh, some folks out there have figured out how to make a job out of it, and that's all wonderful. But I have a day job, and... This is just an extension of my amateur radio hobby and my computer hobby. So all the expenses incurred by Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, come out of my pocket. So one of the ways for us to improve more quickly is if we did have some help. But even if I never receive a dime, I'm going to keep bringing y'all Resonant Frequency as often as possible and trying to make sure that we have quality information for y'all when we're on the air. Alrighty, uh, I think that's pretty much it for this week. I uh, look forward to hearing from y'all. And y'all keep signing up, man. I go over to the, the statistics page on the feed every day and see more and more people signed up for the podcast. And that just makes me extremely happy because... If y'all are signing up with me, that means that I'm quite possibly am doing better than some of the other amateur radio podcasts out there. And I would like to thank Midlife Crisis for the music heard on this podcast. Uh, really don't want to forget uh, Dave over there. He's really helping us out with that. And if y'all want to find out more about Midlife Crisis, y'all go on over to the Podsafe uh music network and go over in the blues genre he's he's over there he's got a lot of stuff over on that site okay last but not least we'll throw all the addresses and stuff out one more time so that y'all have them to contact me via email please send your emails to kb5jbv at gmail.com to go look at 
the webpage which has the show notes and some few extras over there that will be kb5jbv.blogspot.com and I believe that's everything for this week I hope y'all have a good week and everybody's safe especially through the weekend and until next time 73